Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It is now 3-0 Calgary leading Toronto. Six and a half minutes into the third period. Bennett with his third. Kachuk with his sixth. And Monaghan back in the lineup tonight with his third. It came on the power play early in the third period. So 3 nothing Calgary leading in Toronto. Early second period. Kings up one nothing on the Blues. Velarde has the goalie there. In the third period, Sabres and Islanders tied at two. Lightning and Hurricanes tied at two. Panthers up 2-1 on the Stars. Later tonight, the Golden Knights play the Avalanche. Actually, that one will face off very shortly. Same deal with the Ducks and the Coyotes. 8.30 Edmonton time start for the Wild and the Sharks. The Oilers are back at it tomorrow. They will be visiting the Vancouver Canucks. Our face-off show here on 6.30, Ched, will start at 6, and the game will start at 8 o'clock. Oilers up to 12-8 and eight on the season. The Canucks 8-12-2. These two teams have not played since the first two games of the season, which were splits, both kind of sloppy games. The Canucks won the first one. McDavid got a hat trick as the Oilers won the second game. McDavid now with two hat tricks this season. He has eight regular season hat tricks in his career and one in the postseason. Going to be fun. Going to be fun. Uh, I like the, well, I don't know. I like the North Division so far. I wonder if a month from now I might feel like, oh, again, like these teams again. So far the Oilers haven't played anybody what are they up to four times with most teams still three with the flames, still two with the Canucks. Uh, I guess Montreal's at three games. They're going to be up to seven games with the Leafs in by next Thursday. Cause the Leafs are here actually, no, sorry, next Wednesday, the Leafs are here Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. So uh, we'll see how we all feel about it. The league has said it, it, it is a one-off. I, I do wonder if the NHL might alter some things next season. Again, assuming that next year is a normal travel year with a normal schedule and hopefully fans in the buildings. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think they, they want to go with the Canadian division again, but maybe they'll go with some sort of double headers to cut down on traveling. I've talked about this before. I mean, if the Oilers have to make two trips to California, do you need to go twice? Could you play San Jose Monday and Tuesday, LA Thursday and Saturday and the Ducks the following Monday and Tuesday? And you cut down on the travel and, and you just get things all done. I know for some teams, especially LA, for example, there's two basketball teams in there as well. Other teams share with NBA or have college basketball played in their facility. So that could make it a little bit tougher, but something to keep an eye on as we uh, move along here. Dave Tippett was asked today if he has a set plan for his two goaltenders. You know what? We're, we're going to take it game by game here because with the shortened schedule, you're going to need both guys. But it's, uh, you know, if you look at the next couple weeks, isn't bad. But then we get into a stretch where it's a lot of games in a short amount of nights. So you got to make sure they both get enough practice, both get enough uh, work out of game work. But then you got to make sure they're rested enough to play the games as well as they can. So that's a big advantage having both guys back and Miko played really well the other night. So both guys playing well, and that's, uh, that's what we were hoping for. And hopefully we can keep going that way. 
Yeah, you know, we were talking about Darnell Nurse earlier in the show. Uh, somebody wrote in and, and said, is he a Norris Trophy candidate at this point? Well, he's playing great. He has 16 points in 20 games, averaging 25 and a half minutes of ice time. One of the knocks on Darnell was that he could rush the puck and then sometimes the play would die once he got got in uh, inside the offensive blue line with it. I think he's looking better there, and he was asked today about improving his puck skills. Getting a little more confident. Uh, having, a, you know, putting in a lot of time while I work in, in the off-seasons. Actually, it's funny, this off-season, I've worked more on my skating than anything else because I don't think I even saw OT because uh, the, the pandemic. So uh, it's just confidence coming in and you know studying the game i think put a lot a lot of hours in watching the game and seeing where uh i could be better and that was one of the areas i felt like i could take a a big uh, big stride um not not just creating offense but you know finding ways to get out of our our own zone and uh it's been good so far and it's got to continue um but yeah as you get older everyone always says that the game slows down a little bit um and, and with that uh as long as you keep uh, the right mindset to keep working, I feel like uh, there's, there's even more I can tap into. Yeah, Darnell Nurse looking good this year for sure. Oilers and Canucks coming up tomorrow here on 630 Chet. All right, we're going to call a, a quick timeout. Uh, we're looking to bring you James Wilder Jr. from the Double E football team in the next couple of minutes. tonight remember this name Richard Pettio briefly an Edmonton Oiler in his pro career now assistant coach with the Camaros Kodiaks and he's gonna check in uh, with us in about half an hour as the Alberta Junior Hockey League will resume its season so Richard will tell you about his uh, journey through pro hockey getting into coaching and how the team is feeling knowing that they have games coming up also remember this jackpots for junior hockey the jackpots for junior hockey 50 50 will run each weekend in march so what's going to happen is you'll uh, and, the, and the proceeds from the funds will help the junior teams in alberta so that's the five whl teams and uh then all the teams the 15 teams in the ajhl who have uh, you know they're going to lose ton of revenue here from the pandemic and the suspension of play. So you get to do this uh, 50-50 online. So keep an eye out for that. I'm reading this off the AJHL website, but of course the WHL put out their their uh, own release. The AJHL did get approval just, what, three days ago from the government of Alberta to resume their season. So we'll see how that's going to work. The Alberta teams in the Western Hockey League are going to pick up their seasons uh, this weekend. So the Edmonton Oil Kings will be in action, and we'll talk more about then as we uh, move along here on the show. The Oilers, a lot of laws of positive storylines. We've been talking about the defense tonight. Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, really solid pairing. Nurse is producing points. Berry, after a slow start to the season, has helped the power play. Looks a lot better five-on-five, and Dave Tippett commented on that pairing today. Both of them as individuals have played really well here lately, but they've uh, they've meshed pretty good. Nurses nurses just really played a strong all-round game, both sides of special teams. He doesn't get as much power play, but 
big time uh, penalty killer for us. And and Barry's really got comfortable in the role as uh, on the on the power play. And and the two of them together, they've uh, they've meshed pretty well. And uh, you know they normally play with one of those top two lines that uh, that they help move the puck and help drive those lines. So both of them have been pretty good. Yeah, both really good. So we'll see if they can uh, keep going. I think those guys have been excellent. You've seen a lot of good showings from other members of the Oilers defense. William Laguson, for one. No, he's been out the last three games. And I wasn't overly thrilled when they were playing William Laguson and leaving some other players in the press box. But he was good. I think he settled Larson down a little bit. And Larson has looked better lately, playing with Chris Russell as well. But Laguson injured a week ago against the Jets. We haven't seen Ethan Bear now in over three weeks. Both of them were on the ice for practice today. And here's the tip and update. Laguson's not ready. He won't uh, won't play tomorrow night. Ethan Bear had a good day today. And uh, he's going to check with the doctors today. And so we'll, uh, we'll have a better idea in the morning where he's at. So here's what could possibly happen tomorrow. Nurse and Barry together you got larson down the right side probably still paired with chris russell cuckoo is out on long-term injured reserve with the broken collarbone so does jones come in tomorrow or is it baron bouchard and if so who moves over to the left side now bush we've seen in practices that bouchard has taken a few rotations on the left side so maybe he's the one that moves over and Bear stays on the right side. This is if Bear can go. If if not, I mean, you might have to put bring Jones back into the lineup. We haven't seen him for a while. I still think he's going to be an important member of the team moving forward. So that's something to consider when, uh, when you look at the blue line. I think it's going to be Nurse and Barry. Chris Russell will stay in with Larson. Laguson's out. We now know Cuckoo is out. So then you're looking at either Jones or Bear or Bouchard. So I, I think if Bear comes in, he's going to be on the right side. Who knows? Maybe it could be Jones and Bouchard if Bear's not quite ready. But we don't know yet, so we'll have to get that update from the morning skate tomorrow in Vancouver. Bob Stoffer will have uh, more on orders now. It's It's been entertaining for me to watch Evan Bouchard. Now, he doesn't always play a ton. In, in a couple of the lower score, scoring games that the Oilers have found themselves in, Tippett limited his ice time. That's often a journey young players go through. You don't play as much. Coaches uh, aren't as comfortable putting you out in tight games. But I do think you have to play players a, at least a bit in that situation. Why? Well, because of what we're talking about you, earlier in the show. You have to get them used to it. So either they go into that situation and they succeed, and hopefully they learn something from that, or if they fail, then hopefully they learn the lesson the hard way. And I know that's... You know, nobody wants to hear about that. Well, you put a young guy on the ice and there was a goal against, but I do think that's part of the learning process. You know, Todd McClellan used to get criticized a lot for for playing Matt Benning late in games when when Benning was a rookie, and then, you know, Benning went on to have a couple of decent seasons with the Oilers. He's now in Nashville. So I, I would, I'd be reluctant to take Bouchard out of the lineup at this point simply because with the puck on his stick, he adds so much to the game. He has... He has skill to his game and dimensions to his game that we haven't seen from a lot of Oilers defensemen, well, in a long time, especially new guys just coming into the league. You know, Clefbaum was, was a pretty high pick. Nurse was a pretty high pick. But what Bouchard can do with the puck is 
I, I think unparalleled for for an Oilers defenseman who is that young, and especially one they drafted on their own. And he, he fires the puck. He can get the puck off with a slap shot, with a quick little snapshot, with a wrist shot, and he can pass. He can get it out of his own end, and he can get it through the the neutral zone. All young players, all, pretty much all young players, struggle defending, especially early in their careers. I, I you know, I, I think that to some extent you have to live with that and shelter them when possible, and hope that they learn relatively quickly. But there, there's something to Bouchard's game that really an Oilers defenseman hasn't had in a long time. And then there's Tyson Berry, who, let me ask you this. Let me, okay, maybe, let me ask you this. Is, is, when was the last time the Oilers had an offensive defenseman as good as Tyson Berry? Now, we're still early in the season, but when was the last time they had an offensive defenseman as good as Tyson Berry? And again, is he a wizard five-on-five? Okay, maybe not. I don't think he's as bad as some of the knocks he was hit with last season while he was playing with Toronto. And it didn't start well with him under Babcock. It Once Babcock was let go in Toronto, Barry played better under Sheldon Keefe. All right, the team petered out in the playoffs. Barry's one of the guys who takes uh, the blame for that. He's not re-signed. He winds up here in Edmonton. But he's doing things that we haven't seen from somebody on the Oilers' back end in a long time. Right-handed shot, firing the puck on the power play. He wasn't doing it first eight or nine games. Now he started taking the slap shot. Now he started loosening up the defenders. So the cross-ice pass is more available because they got to be out closer to to Barry guarding against his slap shot. And now he's also joining the rush, or he's driving with the puck. First goal against Calgary on Friday drives down low, centers it to Pugliarvi, he's in the net, joining the rush, getting a shot. So that's that's one of the things that's really exciting to me is when, when you, we've talked about offensive depth lacking for the Oilers, it's usually been they got nothing on lines three and four, or a couple of years ago, nothing after the first line except for Nugent Hopkins. But now not only are some of the depth forwards pitching in, you got defensemen pitching in. I said earlier about Nurse probably doesn't keep scoring at that rate, but the goals are already in the bank and they help win games early in the season. And now Barry is picking it up. So that's all very encouraging. It's there. There are a lot of things about the team that I think you say are positive and hopefully at least somewhat sustainable, right? I mean, that's the buzzword in hockey. A lot of the analytics guys use that is, well, is that, well, this guy's good, but it's, oh, that's unsustainable. Okay, yeah. You know, Mike Smith's save percentage, that's unsustainable. No, a goalie's not going to finish with a 940. Can he be a solid 915 to 920? Yeah, maybe. If Koskinen gets a little more rest, can can he be a 910 to a 915? Yeah, maybe. Can Tyson Berry keep getting, I don't know, three points every five games? Chipping in that way, at the very least, he's above that rate right now, but saying if he just drops off a little bit, yeah, that's that's possible. We're not looking at things and saying, okay, this guy is on an absolute heater, and we know there's no way it's going to stay anywhere near that level. We have guys on heaters where I think you can say it should at least be in that neighborhood, even if it's not right up, up there at that level, and that's what's encouraging. Challenge tomorrow for the Oilers, no letdown. You've won three in a row. You've swept Calgary. You're playing Vancouver. Don't lay an egg. Stay consistent. Stay consistent with your effort and your performance. Show that professionalism. 
Absolutely, Playfair should get some credit. Somebody just texted in. Play, you know, Jim Playfair and Dave Tippett worked together in Arizona. They were a good duo there, and now I think we're seeing they're a good duo in Edmonton. And it's interesting about Tippett because a lot of the criticism he faced earlier in the season, from me included, <laughs> now we're understanding, okay, maybe an NHL hockey coach actually knows when to make changes and when to be patient. Why is Lagason in the lineup? Well, Lagason was doing okay. Why is Smith starting three games in a row? Well, Smith did pretty good at bouncing back from that game in Winnipeg, right? Why doesn't he put that? That was what I was crying for. I spent months crying for that. Put Nugent Hopkins back with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. Well, now Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Pugliarvi is pretty good. And honestly, I think that Dreisaitl, and this is perhaps inappropriate criticism because the team's doing so well, Dreisaitl can play better. And the, but the team is still able to win, and that's what you need. You can't just have your stars and nothing else, and if your stars aren't on the score sheet, you're right off the game. As, you know, Settle's five-on-five play has been probably just okay the last two or three games. Yamamoto's been a little up and down. Cahoon was on that line. Ennis was on that line. They probably had a little more jump when Ennis was there, but I, but I think they want Cahoon there long well, longer term, at least for a few stretch of games as we move along here. So all those things, you look at it and say, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, winning nine out of every 11, highly unlikely. But getting 60% of their points the rest of the way, they already have 60% of their points. Yeah, probably. You can probably do that. You you can't let up and you can't have a severe drop up and drop off in any of the areas that have been working. That's how I look at that. Calgary up 3-0 on Toronto. Three minutes left in the third period. The Leafs desperate here they have a power play so they've already pulled their goalie to try to pull off the miraculous comeback as calgary looks to end their slide you can check in at 780-496-0063 colton says i don't care if we play boring 2-1 hockey like the old arizona coyotes as long as the Oilers win i'll take a boring win over an exciting loss yeah well i do think you know some games we got to just acknowledge that are, are entertaining like rob and i did last monday against winnipeg but big picture for sure find a way to win win different types of games can you win a game two nothing or one uh, you know two nothing one nothing two one three two Oilers have been able to bank a few of those We'll uh, visit with Richard Petio, former Oilers defenseman, now with the Camaros Kodiaks. We'll talk a little bit about that Mike Babcock story, too, when we get back. Here's the deal. Calgary has defeated Toronto 3-0. David Riddick got the shutout. And they flashed up a little graphic there on Sportsnet when he won the game. David Riddick is the first Flames goaltender to get a shutout in Toronto since 1977. 
Now, of course, in 1977, it was the Flames, the Atlanta Flames, not the Calgary Flames. So he's actually the first Calgary Flames goaltender to get a shutout in Toronto. First Flames goaltender since 1977. That goaltender was, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I had never heard of this goaltender. He uh, would have last played in the NHL when I was four. Well, actually, probably still three. I probably hadn't turned four yet. Yves Belanger. Kellen, do you remember this goaltender? I don't remember the goaltender. I remember his face mask, though, because back in the day, I had, like, a picture book of old goalie masks from, like, the Jacques Plante era on until, like, Patrick Waugh. And I think uh, Dan Bouchard and Yves Belanger's face masks from the Atlanta Flames of all teams were, like, a well, centerfold in that book or something. Okay, what was his mask? It was, like, um, it's, 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 I could get it confused, but it's, like, one of those old-school front face things with, like, flames on yeah. the front of it. And Okay, yeah, yeah, I just found it. Yeah, so it's white on top and then it sort of has orange flames that turn into red flames on the bottom yeah well that's it this is uh i've you know this i'm i'm learning a lot today eve belanger who may have had may have had his face mask on the cover of tv times once out of the edmonton journal given oh. by the images i've looked up <laughs> wow if anybody remembers if, if anybody remembers eve belanger Please let me know. So a little bit about uh, Yves Belanger. He's now 68 years of age. He was born in Baie-Como, Quebec. He was never drafted into the NHL. But he was signed in the WHA, the World Hockey Association, by the Cleveland Crusaders, eventually wound up in the NHL with the St. Louis Blues, traded to Atlanta, and then finished his career with Boston. Yves Belanger. He played 78 NHL games, had 29 wins, 33 losses, did not record a tie, which is, yes, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. They just didn't have put that in the column. Had some ties, whatever. <laughs> he had two <laughs> shutouts, one of which, well, we're not counting ties. <laughs> one of We had two NHL shutouts in 78 appearances, one of which was against the Toronto Maple Leafs sometime in 1977, and now David Riddick has uh, done that. Colton said, did Riddick do his famous stick flip? He did not. I'm pretty sure, well, I, I didn't see right at the end of the game. I'm pretty sure he didn't do a stick flip. <laughs> Colton's being funny. Uh, Steven says... McDavid on Saturday reminded me of Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes he decides he's throwing five touchdowns and the other team just has to accept it. Yeah, McDavid looked like he was scoring at will against the Flames. Pretty awesome performance. But the Flames bounced back and they and they went in Toronto. Hey, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something here, everybody. Toronto. If, if everybody wants to be really, really optimistic tonight, we're allowed to be optimistic every once in a while. So let me ask you this. Do you think Edmonton could catch Toronto for first place? Six points back. They've now both played 20 games, 36 games remaining. The Oilers would have to win probably four out of the five remaining games against the Leafs. They have them at three for Rogers place starting on Saturday. Three at Rogers place starting on Saturday. Could the Oilers play that well that they could reel in Toronto for first? There's a little storyline for you. Anyway, Calgary wins tonight. They're back up to 500, 9-9-1. Other action, Panthers beat the Stars 3-1. Late in the third, the Lightning are up 3-2 on the Hurricanes. Islanders win at home 3-2 against the Sabres. 
Kings up 2-0 on the Blues. That is after two. Late in the first, no score. Golden Knights and Avalanche. And about seven minutes left in the first period. Ducks already up 2-0 on the Coyotes, who only have three shots on goal. Silverberg and Jones, the, the goals in that game. Wild and Sharks coming up a little bit later on. All right. See, see, Rocket's texting stuff about Yves Belanger that isn't true, and I almost read it on air. I'm not reading that, Rocket. That's filthy. Well, it's not filthy. It's kind of funny. But it's, well, it's a bit titillating. I'm not going to read that. All right. Uh, one big story over the weekend. You may have heard about this. Mike Babcock, one of the great coaches in the NHL over the last, uh, what, 20 years or so, Olympic coach for Canada, is going to university hockey. He will be coaching the Saskatchewan Huskies. Dave Hardy is the chief athletics officer at the U of S. Stoffer and I talked to him on Saturday. I want to play the uh, meat and potatoes of that interview. And uh, Hardy started off by explaining how, how he possibly got Mike Babcock to come coach his hockey, hockey team. Well, you know, when we had the vacancy, I reached out to, to Mike. I uh, had a previous relationship with Mike. I uh, taught him, etc. Stayed in touch with him through the years. Uh, he's got a great relationship with the University of Saskatchewan, with Saskatoon. Um, and, and, you know, we, we reached out in late December, and uh, we're in discussions all of January, and it was like a perfect storm, Reed. It just all seemed to come together. It, it fit his personal needs, his family needs, his professional needs. Obviously, uh, we're ecstatic to have somebody of Mike's caliber join us. So that was never in question, but it began to meet Mike's needs. And so we're, we're so pleased with the announcement today. Personal observation here, Dave. I can't believe you haven't convinced Sarge to leave the Hilltops. I think he's got some stuff too. <laughs> given that you used to be at that organization too, to, to help out your, I know you've got a good football coach. I'm just having fun with you. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, look, uh, I am not a fan of uh, people who uh, enjoy schadenfreude and uh, it seemed that to me, Mike uh, was a bit of a human pinata uh, about a year ago in, in its sort yeah. of old school, new school. I watched Mike win with Lethbridge in 1994. Alberta beat many of those same players 14 to 2 less than 18 months earlier, actually, when Dave Adolph was coaching at Lethbridge. Yeah. Um, you know, did you have conversations about, you know, what did you do with Lethbridge? Because the Huskies have always had great talent. They just haven't yeah. quite, quite been on Alberta and UNB's level in terms of closing out the deal. But did you talk to Mike about maybe how he energized and infused that group of Lethbridge? And was that a recipe that he could perhaps bring uh, into the short term in uh, Saskatchewan in the next couple of years? Well, we're hopes, you know, we're certainly hopeful that that will happen, that Mike will take us to the next level. You know, Dave Adolph has built a great program here. You're, you know, I mean, between Alberta, uh, UNB, uh, the top three programs in the country, maybe Acadia is there, you know, others. Uh, you follow that as close as I have. But I, I, I do think that Mike has a history of winning at every place that he's been. And I think he will follow a similar recipe. I think uh, that Dave has followed in terms of bringing Saskatchewan kids in, hard workers, grinders, captains, leaders, good students. Um, I think he'll follow that recipe. And, and you know, with that, with that aura that he has uh, of winning and, and that competitive edge that he has, 
risk and hopefully drivers over the edge. He uh, brings instant credibility to a sport that is unfortunately the best kept secret out there. That was Claire Drake's line 40 years ago. Um, but let me ask you this. Is there an opportunity for mentorship? Is there somebody that you guys have targeted? Because let's be realistic. Mike's going to be there maybe a couple. I mean, he's going to be on everybody's top of the list for an NHL head coaching job here in the next 18 months. You know where I'm going here, Dave. So have you guys targeted a couple of younger coaches that maybe Mike could help bring along that could eventually take the long-term reins of the U of, U of S program? Absolutely. You know, Mike has sort of made a two-year commitment. That could be more, it could be less. We, we, we all know that. And, um, and so I think, you know, Mike has volunteered to do this position. And and we, everybody in Canada West, everybody in U.S. Sports, got limited budgets. So what we plan on doing is is using that money that we normally would have paid to the head coach and hire a full-time assistant, uh, somebody that would be in position to be able to take the position in two years, uh, or three years, or one year, or whatever. So you know we we haven't had the luxury of having full-time assistant paid assistant coach, uh, and this uh, might. Mike coming on board, especially in a volunteer position, will give us that opportunity to do that. Dave, uh, Babcock's coming to a situation where the players are student athletes. Um, you know, most of them will will not play pro hockey after they're done at the University of Saskatchewan from an environment where everybody was a pro and that was their livelihood and some of them were making a heck of a lot of money doing to it. Uh, did you discuss sort of that transition to, you know, the environment that combines a high-level sport but with academics and community involvement and all those types of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mark's, uh, Mike's a smart guy, and Mike has been a student athlete. Uh, he's coached student athletes. He 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 knows that uh, our student athletes, most of them are in professional colleges. Uh, they're 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 here for five years or four years. They're not here. We're we're not bringing in one year wonders. We're 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 not breaking the mold. I I think Mike's a smart guy. He'll get that all figured out. He'll be able to manage these guys. His own son was a was a student athlete, uh, hockey down in NCAA program so he gets all of that i think he checks all the boxes hey one final one here for you dave i was reading darren zary in the fall and i thought i saw that you were stepping down so uh, does this mean that now that you got mike aboard on the hockey side you're gonna maybe hang around for a couple more years or what's happening there? no no, oh, no. <laughs> no i don't i don't have a couple more couple more years in my tank but uh you know we'll the, we're in search mode right now and you know support mike as much as we can and transition him into the next uh, group of leadership here so that's that's where we're going with that all right, that's our chat with Dave Hardy, Chief Athletics Officer at the University of Saskatchewan. He makes the big hire, well, or I guess bringing him in as a volunteer coach, Dave Babcock is going to be running the Huskies bench for the next uh, couple seasons or less, I suppose. Old Roadhog texting in, previously from Lashburn. Lashburn's a great town in Saskatchewan. He says, I remember Yves Belanger had a pretty good guy ahead of him on the depth chart. I had to look that up. I was alive in the late 70s. I'm not... I, but I don't remember the hockey. Uh, Dan Bouchard was ahead of him in Atlanta, and Gilles Gilbert and Jerry Cheevers would have been ahead of him for his brief stay with the Boston Bruins. So there is your random ex-NHLer of the night, Yves Belanger. Talk a little bit about the AJHL returning with Richard Petio when we get back. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. 
WHL starting up on the weekend for your Edmonton Oil Kings. The Alberta Junior Hockey League getting close to playing as well. I'm pleased to welcome to the show the assistant coach for the Camrose Kodiaks. It is Richard Petio on the line. Richard, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good, Reed. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Good. It is a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we, we talked earlier today to set up this interview. I would have seen you play a little bit with the Camrose Kodiaks when I was working in Lloyd. I apologize. I don't specifically remember you. Uh, <laughs> it was 20 or 21 years ago. But tell before we get into your, your coaching stuff, uh, tell me a little bit about that path. I mean, you're one of those guys uh, played in the AJ uh, and then college before eventually becoming a pro. Yeah, thanks, Reed. Yeah, I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, I was able to play with the Kodiaks back in 2000, 2001, and uh, that was my 18-year-old year. <laughs> we were able to go on and win the national championship that year. We had a, an amazing team, uh, a great group of guys. We all got along well, really came together. Um, and then from there, I went on and played college hockey for four years down in Colorado. Uh, I got a degree in history there, and from there, um, I signed with the LA Kings. I was drafted by LA out of Camrose and uh, signed my pro contract and played eight years pro. Uh, very grateful for what I got to do and, uh, and thankful as well. So. Well, and what's what's cool? Uh, no, you grew up in Daysland, did you not? Yes, I did. Yeah, small town, about seven hundred people. Yeah. Um, that is awesome. Uh, so uh, athletically, we have nothing in common because you're 20 times the athlete I am, obviously. But we both grew up, like I grew up in Evansburg, so we had that small-town experience. How do you feel that sort of shaped you as a player and, a, and as a person? Yeah, I think it was great. You know, um, grew up in a small town. Um, for me, specifically, I was able to go to the rink like whenever I wanted, basically, to work on my, my game. And the rink was kind of always open for us. We had that... You know, the little extra ice time that, you know, most people in the state, unfortunately, don't get to have. And um, growing up in the small town, I have a tight-knit group of friends and, you know, family. And, you know, everyone knows each other in the town, so they're able to help you out and uh, give you guidance, lead you in the right direction. So small towns are definitely awesome to be a part of, and, you know, I'm grateful for growing up in Daysland for sure. You played several seasons of pro hockey, mostly in the American Hockey League. You did get into some NHL games, including a couple with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, take me back to uh, to playing a couple. But I'm assuming you grew up an Oilers fan or at least watching the team. So what was it like to get into a couple games for Edmonton? Yeah, you know, it was truly an amazing dream come true. Yeah. Um, I did grow up an Oilers fan. Uh, quick story. So took a lot of hard work and dedication and determination to get where I was. And... Uh, growing up, my dad, he uh, he worked extremely hard, and uh, he uh, was a custodian at the school in Daysland, uh, the janitor there, and he also drove a Greyhound bus, so I was fortunate when I was young, probably about five or six, to go up to the game. Uh, he took a group of people from the Daysland area up to the game to watch the game, and I don't remember much about the game, but I do remember Gretzky played, which is pretty awesome, but uh, the dedication and hard work of my dad, so... With five minutes left in the game, he said, we have to go. We got to go start the bus. And it was a close game. I wanted to stay in Orleans and watch Gretzky and all that. But just, you know, I, you know all his hard work and dedication there, I, I, I got from him. And I know my siblings as well have also inherited that hard work and dedication. So, you know, when, I, when the game did come 20-some years later, it was a cool experience. I had all my friends and family there. And uh, definitely something I'll never forget. 
That, that is awesome, Richard. I, I love how you tell that story and and and, uh, and the impact of your dad. That is that is such an awesome story. Well, and now you're the one who's uh, leading the way with uh, the next generation of athletes. Tell me about joining the Kodiak's coaching staff. How have you enjoyed the transition into coaching? Yeah, no, it's been awesome. It's been a you know it's been a chance to give back. I started about uh, two years ago with the Kodiak's, but before that, I've been running some hockey in a local area. I run a program called Powerage Pro. Um, and then I've also coached some of my nephews along the way in minor hockey and that, and uh, I really enjoy coaching. You know, it's uh, the biggest thing I see in the coaching is seeing the development, the improvement of players from practice to practice and year to year. Just uh, It's just amazing, and it's truly rewarding to see that. Um, with the Kodiak specifically, I'm with uh, the D mostly, and uh, you know, that's what I've played growing up and played pro and all that, so... I just rely on my experiences and try to provide all the players with uh, as much as I can, give them supportive fee- feedback. I think being positive is a huge part of coaching today. So. Yeah, for sure. So what have you guys been able to do while you've been waiting to see whether or not you're going to have a season? Have there been any sort of team activities? Uh, just on Zoom, basically. We've got yeah. Zoom meetings and Zoom workouts, and you know, the guys have uh, been working hard through the Zoom, which is good to see and they've i talked to one of the players today brent davis the captain of our team and you know they've uh they're able to get on themselves and chat and on zoom and have a good time but they've not only they're working hard with the coaches running the zoom workouts they've been lifting weights themselves and trying to keep busy during uh, this quarantine period where they're on currently at home and uh sometime this week they'll be coming back to, to cameras hopefully and get the season started here so do you guys have a schedule yet or are we still waiting no, there's no no schedule yet, so we're still waiting on that. We don't know what teams will be playing first or anything. So, but um, sometime here in March, early March, I bet you'll be back playing. So, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Richard. I mean, like I said, I, I covered the AJ uh, in Lloyd for for seven years. It keeps getting a little further in the rearview mirror, but uh, it was a time I I really enjoyed, and it's cool to hear that the your coach in the Kodiaks. That's been a really strong program for for a long time. So good for you, and I'm glad we're going to be talking about actual games in the HHL. So enjoy it, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Reed. You know, it's, uh, the players are excited to get back and play. That's for sure. Uh, it's been a long time they've had off since November. They had last played, so. Talking with Brent, he said it was uh, the longest time he's had off for being on the ice since he was probably four, so it's crazy. Oh, jeez. Okay. Good stuff, Richard. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay, thank you. Uh, Richard Pettio checking in tonight, now an assistant coach with the uh, Camaros Kodiaks. I was really happy to hear that about the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League for sure. Quickly updating the scoreboard. 2-0 Kings up on the Blues in the third after the first. No score, Golden Knights and Avalanche. Ducks lead the Coyotes 2-0 late in the first. Calgary won 3-0 in Toronto. Islanders beat the Sabres 3-2. Lightning over the Hurricanes 4-2. Panthers beat the Stars 3-1. Tomorrow at 6, it's the face-off show. The play-by-play is at 8 as the Oilers take on the Vancouver Canucks. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer tonight. My name's Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.